All right, we're back here. One more hour to go on Sports Talk Saturday on WGR Sports Radio 550. Brayton Wilson filling in for Nick Geary once again. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in on this very rainy, dreary, flooded Saturday. So uh, if you're out about on the road, and again, there is some localized flooding going on, so if you do happen to see some flooded roads, turn around, do not drown. Don't take the risk of, of trying to get through the flooded waters because you just never know what exactly is going on underneath those waters. So please be careful out there. Uh, before we get to Joe Yurden real quick, I just wanted to um, to pass along the final totals from the Give 716 uh, event that was going on yesterday. More than $1.133 million were donated uh, yesterday to local charities in Western New York and just an incredible turnout for the Give 716 initiative. So congratulations to everybody that was involved. Congratulations to the people that donated their money. Thanks again for for helping out with local community uh, charities around the community. Your kindness and uh, donations will go to a good cause for sure. Brayton, don't forget to give out the totals from the Give 716. Uh... Oh, thank you. Thank you. I'll give out those totals once again. It was more than $1.133 million that was donated in the Give 716 initiative. So thanks again to everybody. All right, let's go out to the Western Hotline. Let's not waste any more time here as we're going to bring in the noted jerk on Twitter, Joe Yearden, who also contributes with the Associated Press and Die by the Blade. He joins us right now on the Wester Hotline. Joe, uh, it's been a long while since we've talked, my friend, and, and and I do have to say I miss having these conversations with you, but thanks again for taking time today. It's a pleasure to be back on with you, Brayton. It's always it's always fun talking hockey with you, so it's uh, it's nice to be nice to be back in your presence. Yeah, and it, and it was just weird because there were times where I'd be covering practice at, uh, at, at KeyBank Center this year, and you know, you see the normal faces, and all of a sudden it's just like, but Where's Joe? Like it was, it was just so weird this past year not seeing you there and and not getting a chance to just say hi and and you know you know exchange some pleasantries going uh, through the hallways there. Yeah, I mean that's true, but I, I given how things went, I don't know that I really missed too much this past season. <laughs> no, so, I mean no, you know, that's. I, I think I I may have come out a little bit ahead on that one. Hey, I, yeah. It's, I, <laughs> I mean, they won the draft lottery, and they're picking number one uh, on Friday for the draft. So we'll get to that in a little bit here. But first, um, there's other there's other priorities the Sabres have uh, leading mm-hmm. up to the draft next Friday, Joe. Obviously, the transaction freeze takes place in now less than two hours at 3 o'clock today. No teams can make any moves other than, you know, maybe with Seattle leading up to the expansion draft. They can still talk. They can still agree in principle on certain moves, but they can't formally make these moves official until the transaction freeze gets lifted uh, at 1 o'clock on Thursday. So, Joe, how do you see things playing out here? It's been relatively quiet other than maybe the the re-signing of Miro Haskinen and the trade of Nick Letty last night, but... Do you think there's going to be anything coming from the Sabres before 3 o'clock today? I mean, right now, I, I, we haven't heard any rumblings about anything coming from anybody. So uh, I'm, I'm, thinking, I'm thinking no, but you know, nothing motivates GMs like a, like a deadline. So uh, I wouldn't be surprised if there's, like a, if there's a, a push before 3 o'clock to get a couple of things in and done once teams totally get their, their protected lists figured out. Because I think by that point you already you know what your roster is more than likely going to be uh, coming you know coming out of uh, the expansion draft. So yeah, maybe we'll see something done there. But then again, maybe next Thursday is going to be the really big move day. You know, Thursday and Friday before the start of the draft. I mean, that, it could be could be a very wild time 
in a week. I mean, it's going to be very wild in a week, but today it doesn't really feel like there's anything coming today. But hey, you never know. Like, it, right. it's, it's we're in uncharted territory with things going on this late in July, and with everything being crammed all together. So I mean, this is it's a little weird. It's t- it's tough to get a feel on things. Joe Yerden joining us here on the Western Hotline. If you have a question or comment that you'd like to pass along with Joe, get his thoughts on, you're more than welcome to join us at 803-0550. If you need the toll-free number, it is 1-888-550-2550. So, and I mean, the time that they're going to have between when the roster transaction freeze happens and when it reopens again, teams are still going to talk. They're still going to have these conversations, and especially the the main conversation surrounding the Sabres for what seems like the past two years now has been Jack Eichel. I mean, the time-wise, it hasn't necessarily been two years. It just feels like it's been two years because there's been <laughs> right. so much happening. But Jack Eichel conversations, Joe, what, what do you think the chances are that we see a Jack Eichel trade coming down before the draft? Because it does seem like Kevin Adams would like to get another high draft pick in this year's draft to select another player for the the, the prospect pool. Um, how, how likely do you think that we see a Jack Eichel trade happening before round one of the draft takes place on Friday? I have to think the, the odds are high uh, based on that, you know, the possibility of getting a high pick from somebody, uh, whether it's, you know, in Anaheim or a Columbus or a Los Angeles or somebody, somebody there in the top 10 uh, that comes a calling. You know, I, I, you know, we know that Minnesota is supposedly interested, you know, Chicago kind of kicked the tires some weeks back. So there's teams hovering, like there's, there's teams out there. And I think there's teams, you know, there's, I think there's very clearly there's teams that are actively involved in these talks, but you know, things are always in a holding pattern, especially with the, you know, with everything that's been in you know, surrounding Jack's situation with the, uh, with the neck injury. And, you know, he hasn't actually demanded a trade, but both sides have very much passive aggressively said that they're looking to move on from each other. So this is something that's going to happen because I can't imagine you know, a team like Anaheim or L.A. wanting to give up a 2022 first-round pick because that the top end of that draft is supposed to be a little bit more star-studded, a little bit deeper, and giving up a guy that's going to be, you know, possibly, you know, in Anaheim's case, possibly a top-ten pick again, or in L.A.'s case, you know, they're going to push for a playoff spot next year. So, uh, you know, maybe they would be okay with it, but, uh, you know, you don't want to give up a pick for next year just because, the class seems the draft class seems like it's going to be a little bit better, but I think in Buffalo's case, if you know, say they get a deal done with Anaheim and they're picking one and three, that works out. I mean, that's the absolute best possibility if they can get that pick from from the Ducks. Now it's either that or like they get a guy like Zegers or you know, hey, maybe you get Drysdale. But um, but I think those are more long shots. But if you get three, then you can do a lot with this draft and come away a big winner. Yeah, yeah, and especially since the draft this year, the top ten, in my opinion, at least. Is filled with very good players. It reminds me a lot of the 2011 draft that featured guys like Jonathan Huberto, Ryan Nugent Hopkins, uh, and Gabriel Landeskog, where these guys are going to give you 700, 800 career NHL games and put up decent production, but they're never going to really jump to that echelon of being like franchise players or, or being top players in the NHL in their position. But I still think this year's draft class is still a good enough class where if Kevin Adams could acquire these top 10, top even 15 picks and give himself the chance to select some of these players, I think he's doing a decent job of building up the prospect system and, and putting the Sabres in a good spot in the future. Yeah, absolutely. And I think 2011 is a good comparison. I, I think another one might be 2014, mm-hmm. uh, the yep. Reinhardt-Eckblad draft. Yeah. I think that one's 
kind of similar, just because I think the uh, I think you can make similar comparisons with. I mean, just as far as the draft goes, with Ekblad and Power, and then say maybe a guy like Beniers or Eklund with with Reinhardt and you know Sam Bennett for that case. Um, I, I think there's I think there's a lot of similarities there, but like those are all NHL level players. I mean, Ekblad's finally come around; he's become a really solid defenseman. Uh, you know, Reinhardt, obviously, he's very much coming to his own. You know, he scored on a 40-goal pace this past season. And, you know, Sam Bennett's turned into, I mean, obviously, at number, you know, you pick three, you don't want to pick, a, you know, a third or fourth-line grinder, but he's been pretty valuable for Florida last year, I'd say. So um, if you can find, if you get value of, like that out of your picks in a year where it's not as glamorous, like, you know, Owen Power's probably number one, but, like, it's not like you you didn't enter the year saying like oh yeah Owen Power he's gonna he's number one no matter what right so I think I, I think this is one where I think if you if you're able to to get a lot of picks in the, in the first round I think you can really I mean it's a scatter shot but like you can come away with a lot of talent because honestly we don't have really a good idea of like what this draft is going to turn out like because the scouting has been so different and everybody's doing things in different ways you know it's a lot of video. Not a lot of in-person stuff, and you know, if you didn't have a lot of scouts in Europe, then maybe you weren't getting a close look at guys like Eklund or Edvinson. Joe Yerden joining us right now on the Western Hotline. Hashtag noted jerk on Twitter. Also a contributor to both the Associated Press and Die by the Blade. Uh, opening up your the phone lines to give your questions or comments for Joe at 803-0550. Let's go to Drew in Williamsville, who has a question for Joe. Drew, go ahead. You're on WGR. Yearden, WTOP Sports in 2000. How you been, man? I'm doing doing good, man. Good to hear from you. Congratulations on all your success. It's great to talk to you. Listen, appreciate um, it. it looking look into your crystal ball, man. Where does he really want to go? Where does he really end up and be a fit? And will he be a superstar somewhere? Or did he just end up in the wrong place at the wrong time with an organization that I've tried to defend but really just doesn't know what it's doing sometimes? I'm, I take it you mean Eichel, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, okay. the, 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 what everybody's talking about. I don't want to lose him <laughs> because I think he's still 25, 26 years old, but everybody tells me he's gone, so I guess I have to accept it. Yeah, it's – yeah, I, I I mean, I wrote a piece not that long ago about, you know, having to just accept that he's going to be somewhere else. Uh, as for, I mean, where he wants to go, I mean, I, I mean, Boston's obvious because that's home. Uh, I think he would, I think he would rather be somewhere on the East Coast. But if I'm the Sabers, I'm sending him to the West uh, because I don't want him haunting me for the next five years. <laughs> right. Uh, you know, I don't, I don't need that kind of action. Um, so I, I think if you got a Western Conference team, and I, honestly, I think what you can get from what the, the Western Conference teams that are, you know, rumored to, to want him, I think those are the better deals to be had. But that said, I mean, I'm very much on the on the bandwagon of Eichel already is a superstar. I mean, you know, he was he was an M, you know eighth in MVP voting two years ago. Um, had a, just an unbelievable season that year. Just terrible luck this past season, and you know the injuries and everything that just stinks. And you know, for me, you know, the situation in Buffalo was never very good for him, which is really tragic. Honestly, very. I mean, it, you know, it's it's going to be the butt of jokes, but it's definitely it's it's way more tragic than that. But um, but I mean, he's, he's a stud, he's a star and if he goes somewhere else and flourishes. I mean, Buffalo is probably going to end up looking bad, but it's not like we couldn't, you can't say you didn't see it coming or you didn't see him, you know, do it here before. Drew, thanks for the call. Let's take another phone call here. Let's go to Canadagua for this call. Jeff in Canadagua. Good afternoon. You're on WGR. Go right ahead, Jeff. Yeah. Hi, Joe. I wanted to find out, I'm 
kind of curious here. Uh, but the, you know, I got the three o'clock deadline coming up, and I'm wondering about the the Risto slash Will Borgen kind of a deal that who's going to be protected possibly. Um, with I'm just kind of curious, you know, has there been any rumblings? I heard Darren Dragon on the Instigators yesterday talking about that there could be there could be a trade going on heating up with uh, Ristolainen. And my question is, do you think possibly that Adams has already been in contact with Seattle and asked them in so many words, oh, hey, uh, don't touch Borgen, uh, we'll, we'll do this and do that for you like they did in Las Vegas with uh, William Carrier in the draft pick. Just wondering if you've heard any inklings or anything about that. Thanks. Yeah, I, I think when it comes to Riso, I mean, this is, I mean, it's, it's definitely a conflict. You know, you've got Will Borg in there and the team, you know, they're going to protect Ristolainen. And it's not because they, you know, I mean, part of it's because they do value him, but I think it's more about, you know, not losing an asset you can get other assets for, uh, when it comes to Riso. I mean, he's in the last year of his contract. He's a guy that you can trade at any point and be able to get something, you know, some kind of futures or some kind of current, you know, make a hockey trade and just get guys that, that can play now. Um, and I think letting him, you know, letting him go, um, you know, exposing him to the expansion draft. I think, you know, for Seattle, it would make sense because then it, it, he becomes that kind of, you know, poker chip for them to be able to spin to get other, to get other pieces. So uh, I, I, I don't blame the Sabres for, you know, if they, if they do end up protecting him, I don't blame them one bit. But, yeah, I, I think if you're Kevin Adams, you have to have that secondary plan to, you know, if you want to keep Borg and you want to, you want to make sure they don't take him, you got to have something worked out. you got to have a nice, shiny fourth or fifth-round pick to say, hey, man, just leave our guy alone. Like, we'd, we'd like to keep him, but we got other stuff cooking here. So, uh, so I mean, you got to do that. But I think when it comes to Risto, uh, you know, one of the teams I had heard before that was interested was Jersey, but they went out and, you know, they went out and made a deal. Uh, for uh, Ryan Graves, Ryan, Ryan Graves, thank yep. you. And uh, I think I think that's that may go by the, go by the wayside now. But uh, another team to keep an eye on might be Carolina. I mean, and, and you know, it's not just because they seem to love Finns there, right? Uh, but but you know, they've got a deep defense, and if you put a guy like Risto there playing third pair, man, that I mean, that works out pretty good. I mean, <laughs> that's uh, I think that's the the more ideal role for. Them. So, Joe, I, w- I was going to ask you about Ristolainen here eventually, but since Jeff brought it up, and Jeff, thanks for the call, you- you're confident that if Buffalo were to leave Will, uh, you know, not leave Will Borgen exposed, but they would protect Will Borgen leaving Ristolainen exposed, you'd-, you'd be confident that that would be their pick as Ristolainen? Uh, not necessarily confident, uh, because I think there would still be, you know, maybe a forward available that they might take a peek at. I mean, okay. obviously, you know, Skinner waving is, is no move. It helps. A great deal, um, but I mean, if you know, say, say Gergensen's wasn't covered, you know, maybe mm-hmm. that's you know, that's a guy with value, uh, where you know he's got that, you know, he's a veteran guy, you know, he plays his, you know, he plays his butt off every night, like he hits, you know, he does all the, he does all the fourth line stuff that everybody loves, you know, kills penalties, does all that stuff. So if a guy like him was exposed, maybe that's the way. I mean, he doesn't cost a terrible amount. I mean, two point two million for a team that. Has zero million, <laughs> you know, committed to the cap already. Right. That's, that's not so bad. Um, but I mean, if you know, say like a Rasmus Asplund wasn't protected, then you know he's. I mean, he had a pretty solid year last year. He's a guy that could be valuable. I mean, he's cheap. He's young. He plays really played really well last year. Another, you know, did really well defensively. Um, so I mean, there's options. I mean, it's not just 
it's not just, you know, it wouldn't just be Borg and it wouldn't just be Ristolainen. But, like, there, I mean, Seattle's going to have a ton of options no matter what. But as far as when it comes from Buffalo, it, there's a lot of things that they can do depending on who isn't protected. So it's it's going to be really interesting. And I, I'll be very curious to see who Adams really values out of this group. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I, I guess the, the last thing I'll ask you about the expansion draft is just, who do you see being the guy that the Sabres lose to expansion? Or do you think that it's, you know, way too early to tell at this point? Um, I mean, th- this might be rendered moot by, uh, by the time the list comes out. It's probably not going to come out till tomorrow. So, uh, this, <laughs> you know, save this one for, for future cold takes. But I, I, I gotta think if Borgen's not protected, I think he's probably the pick. Mm-hmm. Um, just because, he, I mean, he makes a ton of sense, uh, because he's still kind of raw. You know, just from the fact that he hasn't played a ton of NHL games, um, but like you've seen enough of him in the AHL to know what he's about. You've seen peaks of him in the NHL where you're like, we know what we're getting with this guy. So, and he's young and he hits hard. He does all that stuff. So, you know, that's that, that's attractive to teams. It should be attractive to Buffalo too, and I'm sure it is. Um, but I think it'd be a toss up between him or Rasmus Asplund. I think if Asplund's not protected that would give them a huge option to to decide they want to get a forward instead. Yeah, and and that's and and just for those reasons alone because I think that that Borgen does fill in a nice little uh, spot if you are in fact trading Ristolainen. Other than the fact that Borgen is not an offensive producer like Ristolainen, I still think that he fits a, a, a role that you could easily fill Ristolainen with Borgen kind of shifting in there. And then Rasmus Asplund, I just unfortunately don't think there's enough players like him on this roster that have that nice two-way game that can shift from left wing to center if you absolutely need him to. So uh, yeah, it's it's going to be interesting to see how Kevin Adams plays this out just because I think that, you know, some of these players are quite valuable to the future of this team, but, you know, I'm not in the front office and as, right. as you are. You're not in the front office, no. so who knows what they're well, thinking. Yeah, I, and I mean, like I, I didn't even mention Colin Miller either. Right. Um, yeah, and I him think too. He's, I mean, he's, I, I think that's, that's another guy where it's, he makes a pretty good case because he's got even more experience he's already been through the expansion stuff with vegas right um and you know you know automatically he's going to plug into your you know depending on what else they get in seattle probably your top four Mm -hmm. at least yeah so i mean that that makes a ton of sense too and is contracts friendly so yeah uh, you know those are those are like the those are the main options i'd see you know but it all depends if they want a veteran guy miller's the guy they want to go younger than you've got Borgen or Asplund. Uh, couple maybe, more, maybe those guys. <laughs> right. Yeah, a couple more minutes here with Joe Yurden here on the Western Hotline on WGR. Uh, first thing I want to ask you, Joe, is the future of Sam Reinhart because uh, I think as time continues to go on, I think the future of Reinhardt and, and the on the possibility of a trade idea gets a little muddier just because Don Granado spoke so highly of Reinhardt from hit the time with him this past offseason. I think that, you know, if if Granado really likes him and if Kevin Adams likes him and Reinhardt really, you know, I know that he said what he said with not wanting to go through another rebuild, but if there's a relationship there, you'd like to maybe keep that there long term. Um, but you know, at the same point, Reinhardt may get you a really good value in return that would help you know, maybe get you another first round pick and accelerate your your little rebuild or whatever you want to call it on the fly. How do you think his future plays out? And do you see a long term future potentially for Reinhardt here if he's not moved this offseason? Well, I got to say, the, the Reinhardt one's more intriguing to me than the Jack one, just mo- mostly because I've already assumed Jack is not part of this mm-hmm. you know, organization moving ahead. Yeah. Reinhardt, I'm still, you know, I, I'm, a, I'm about 75% sure he's, he's not going to be with the team for the future. But, like, the 25% of me 
knows that Granado loves him. And, you know, Granado put him in, you know, the position to play well, you know, put him at center and he played great. You know, you know, just let him go out and play and play offense. And he did a great, he did all the stuff that he did at Wang, but then did it at center on top of it. And, you know, you know, the face-off stuff, who cares? You know, it's fine. He's going to lose his draws. Yeah. You know, just win the, just win the important one. Right. That, that's, that's what counts. Um, but I think with him, you know, I, the reading his body language and, and hearing the way he talked on, you know, the, the final day there, I, I just get the sense that he's over it. And I, yeah, I think once you, once you trade Eichel and that's his best friend, I think he's over it completely at that point, and he's just going to be like, whatever, just you know, get me closer to home again. You know, whether you work out a trade with uh, Vancouver or Calgary or maybe even Los Angeles. You know, I, you know, uh, my buddy Dennis Bernstein with uh, with uh, the fourth period has said that the the Kings have some interest there in Reinhardt. So I, you know, I tend to believe that because the Kings seem to be moving in a direction where they can get back to the playoffs a lot quicker. So to me. You know, I hate losing Reinhardt, especially when he's really blossomed here the last couple of years. And, you know, he's a steady 60-point-a-year guy. And like I said this past year, got on a heater with the goals, was a tremendous goal scorer. So, I, you know, I, I could see Renato making the case to him to say, you know, please, we're going to count on you. We bank, you know, this is your team now. Let's just carry us ahead. We know it's going to be tough. There's going to be a couple, you know, a couple more tough years, but we can shorten that up if you stay. I think that, you know, if that's your argument, I mean, it's it's a good one to make. But, mm-hmm. you know, I, I think if I'm Sam, I'm I'm really conflicted because I've been here as long as Jack has, and I haven't seen any any reason to really believe the direction the organization's headed. Yeah. And last thing I'll ask you, Joe, here real quick before we let you go, NHL draft. The chatter's been Owen Power is the quote-unquote consensus number one pick to the Sabres. Do you have a different mindset than that? Do you think the Sabres go another direction, or do you believe it will be Owen Power getting his name called first come Friday at the uh, 2021 NHL draft? I think it's going to be Power. Um, I, I think it, I, I, I just believe that you know everybody everybody has the consensus that it's going to be him. My dark horse though is William Eklund, and you know I, I've been watching a bunch of you know video on him, so I guess that makes me an official scout now. I don't know, um, but he's. I don't know. There's a lot of the way Eklund plays that looks really good. And a lot of the stuff he did this year in Sweden, you know, he outperformed his teammate Alexander Holtz. He outpointed Lucas Raymond. Those guys were both picked last year. Uh, and he's a year younger. And that, to me, is really impressive. I mean, he posted 11 goals, which, you know, you say, okay, big whoop. But 11 goals for a 17-, 18-year-old? Yeah, it's impressive. <laughs> That's really good. That's a really good year. So, you know, to me, I, you know – everything's goofy this year. Yeah. And, you know, whether it's, you know, whether it's Benyers or, it, you know, if you get down the line, Kent Johnson, uh, you know, if they end up picking a little bit later elsewhere in the first round. But, uh, but to me, Ackland is the guy that if you don't pick power, I think that's the guy. And, you know, I know a lot of the mock drafts don't seem to like Ackland that much, but geez, man, I don't know. Sometimes a guy just stares you in the face and you overthink it. And I think that could be the case with him. All right. Well, Joe, I appreciate you taking time today out of your weekend schedule, and uh, we'll we'll definitely get the chance to talk again sometime down the road. There's just so much to talk about, but so little time that we have. So I, I appreciate you taking time today, and we'll we'll catch up soon. Hey, you got a break. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Joe Yearden joining us here on the Western Hotline. Uh, before we hit the break, uh, Corey passed this along to me, and uh, I'll pass along to everybody else in case you were making plans to go to the Blue Jays game tonight. 
Forget it. Uh, they postponed the game until tomorrow. It'll be a doubleheader at Salem Field tomorrow. So, again, uh, the scheduled 307 first pitch today between the Blue Jays and the Rangers, that has been washed out. The game is postponed. It'll be a doubleheader tomorrow in downtown Buffalo. We'll take a timeout. When we come back, we'll talk a little bit more about the upcoming draft on Friday with DauberProspect.com's Tony Ferrari. He joins us next year on WGR. Slash the right seat. A message from the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. No matter what music you love or when you love to listen, Odyssey's new exclusive stations, including Tailgate Crashers and Arena Rock, are expertly curated for sports listeners like you. Introducing hundreds of new exclusive music stations available now only on Odyssey. All right, we're back here on Sports Talk Saturday, WGR Sports Radio 550. Brayton Wilson filling in for Nate Geary. Thanks again, everybody, for tuning in on a uh, very rainy, flooded Saturday. Again, if you're out on the roads here in western New York and you do happen to come across some roads that are flooded with water, uh, the best advice I can give to you is turn around, don't drown. And that's the the common theme here with uh, with flooding like this. Uh, right now, though, on the Western Hotline, we're going to get to Tony Ferrari from DauberProspects.com. Uh, Tony, I just want to be able to uh, to get this here from uh, Tony. He is the uh, editor. He's the chief editor at DauberProspects.com. I believe I have that right. Tony, right? Is that correct? Yeah, managing editor at DauberProspects.com. Excellent. Fantastic. Uh, and Tony's joining me right here on the Western Hotline. I appreciate you taking the time this afternoon to join us here, Tony. So um, exciting times for you guys especially because we're now less than a week until round one of the NHL draft. And uh, certainly this draft class is one that has been talked about for quite some time just because it doesn't necessarily feature that uh, number one star-studded prospect that we've seen over the years for so many years. But what are your thoughts over all in this draft class and where it stacks up it's been a really interesting year because like you said there hasn't been that number one guy there is no Sidney Crosby Rasmus Dahlin Jack Eichel even there isn't a player of that level so there's about seven or eight players that realistically have a chance to be uh, the best player in this draft class w- without kind of being too hot takey or anything so it's really interesting to see how many different names have been at the top of different boards Tony, so with the Sabres, they're picking number one, obviously, after winning the draft lottery this year. And uh, I think a lot of people have, have thrown out that Owen Power is that quote-unquote consensus pick with the number one uh, selection for the Sabres. Where do you sit on Owen Power? Is he the number one pick in this year's draft? Or do you believe that uh, there's still some room for Buffalo to maybe consider somebody else at the top? Well, I think Owen Power has been the guy that everyone's defaulted to because he is that six foot six defenseman that's over 200 pounds and, and plays so projectively. He has such high-end tools that you're like, if this works out in the future, if, if he can kind of project out and work these tools into his game a little bit more consistently, he could truly be a special defenseman who, who is that top-pair guy that maybe him and Rasmus Dahlin could really lock down the back end. But I do think Buffalo has a few options, and I think the two other guys that they're considering are Matthew Beneers, the center out of Michigan, who played with Owen Power, who is just maybe the most mature two-way player in the draft. He's so smart, plays with such a, a, a pace and intelligence. that It's just really fun to watch. He's a really hard-working guy, but he's not that number one center that you're looking for at the NHL level, at the, kind of at the top of the draft. So he gets knocked down from that. But the other guy I think Buffalo's considering, and there were reports that last week that they were talking to him, is William Eklund, who's the, the winger from Sweden. He's played on the top, uh, on the top line on, for your Garden's uh, SHL team which is the top men's league in Sweden, and he was a fantastic player. He played with uh, Alexander Holtz, who was the top 10 pick from the New Jersey Devils last year, and he and uh, William Eklund was the one driving that line. He was really the one pushing the pace, and, and Alexander Holtz was the complimentary player. So 
seeing him be able to do that at the SHL level against men while he's only 18 was really impressive. So, spoiler alert, uh, Tony has his final rankings up at uh, DauberProspects.com. Feel free to check that out. And the two guys you just mentioned, Beneers and Eklund, they're they're very high on top of his list. So I recommend checking it out if you want to get to know a little bit more about the prospects. Going back to power, though, really quick, uh, just want to get your overall thoughts on his game and just what stands out about him, what he needs to improve. And, um, I mean, it's likely that he's going back to Michigan going forward, at least for next season, but um, whether that is the right move for a guy like Power going into his second season at Michigan. Yeah, I think my biggest gripe with Owen Power all year has been the fact that there was so much uncertainty as to whether he'd take that second season at Michigan. Because I think with the tools he has and the the raw package that he has, because he's such an excellent skater, he's such an excellent uh, physical presence when he wants to be. He's six foot six. He's, he checks every box that you want to check with when you go down the list of tools and everything. But the big thing with him is I think he needs to mature a little bit, refine some things. Uh, his defensive play, at times he can get a little bit leaning because he is such a bigger player. He can over-rely on his reach and stuff like that. So w- when he can kind of work on those things another year at Michigan, I think there really is a chance that he ends up being at that top pair, numbered one or two defensemen that every team wants. But my biggest thing is go back to Michigan, take your time, you don't need to rush a kid like this because if you rush a kid like this, you could end up with a player that ends up being Tyler Myers, who everyone in Buffalo is fairly familiar with, who's <laughs> a perfectly serviceable player, but that's not the guy you want at first overall. You want a guy that's coming out and being a star on your team. Tony Ferrari from DauberProspects.com joining us right now on the West Her Hotline on WGR. So we talked about Owen Power potentially being number one. You also mentioned Matthew Beneers and William Eklund possibly going number one. So the Sabres, they're, they're likely trying to acquire another top pick in this year's draft, whether that be with the Ducks at number three or the Kings at number eight in a potential Jack Eichel trade. Maybe even a Sam Reinhardt trade could net them a, a, another first rounder, but who are some of the other notable names in that first part of the draft that really stand out to you uh, in in really being a, a possible player that if the Sabres manage to find their way in that top 10 that they could possibly be targeting? I think a guy like Nesper uh, uh, Walsh, the goalie, is an interesting choice because you guys have Pekalainen who's coming up and he's a really good goaltending prospect, but the, the goaltender is always a wild card. So I think, yes, for Walsh, that's certainly in the discussion. But I think the two names that really kind of stick out to me are, are Brand Clark and, and Luke Hughes, who are probably the two best offensive defensemen in this draft. Both of them are extremely dynamic. I think Luke Hughes is one of the best skaters in this draft. He has such outstanding edge work and footwork, and he's just able to carve up the ice with such ease. He needs to work on his defensive presences and, and kind of work on his positioning and stuff there, but he's got so many of those tools, and he's, he's a lot bigger than his brother Quinn. I don't think he has the same dynamic elements of his game that Quinn and even his brother Jack, who plays center for the Devils, has, but he has so many projectable tools that you're like, he could get there. It was Brant Clark. He's such a smart player. This kid might be the smartest player on the draft. And his ability to just manipulate the ice and control the game is at a different level at times when he's on his game. He went over and played in Slovakia against men this year because the OHL was closed down. And he, I talked to him earlier this year, and he was like, no, I was making them adjust to my game because my game was the one that was pushing the pace. My game was the one that was really setting the tone. So rather than adapt to adapt to him, which was really interesting to see come from a 18-year-old kid in a new country. 
Who's maybe some of the names in this year's draft that are rising up your board and and could surprise some people, whether they go in the top 10 or top 15? Because I think a lot of people do say that once you hit that 10, 11 range, uh, the the class kind of hits another different category, the next lowest category. But who are some of the names that maybe you're hearing could jump up into that top 10 and, and surprise some people to hear their names called that high? Well, I think one of the really interesting players is Fedor Svechkov, a Russian center from uh, played for a lot of Togliata, which was a really, really bad team in, in Russia this year, both at the VHL level and at the MHL level, which was second-level men's in, in the junior level. But Fedor Svechkov was an outstanding defensive presence as a center. He almost reminds me of Anton Lundell from, a couple, from last year, where, but maybe not quite the offensive ceiling. But we saw him at the World Under-18s, and he was fantastic there. He's such a good counterattack player that – a lot of times, every time his offensive game comes out, it's because he's made a really nice defensive play at the other end of the ice. And he's just this guy that seems to drive play and knows how to, where to be, when to be there. And he's one of the most NHL-ready players in this draft, which is really interesting considering he's a guy that maybe goes in that 10 to 20 range. But there's a lot of hype coming in. I think Craig Button from TSN had him ranked at six on his board. So there's scouts that are getting him up higher on board, and he's one of the really interesting names that I can see going high. Very good. Uh, Tony, before um, before we wrap things up here with you, I wanted to see if you had any prevailing thoughts on uh, the Sabres prospects because over at DauberProspects.com, you guys do a really nice job covering not only just the drafts coming into uh, a specific year's draft, but also the prospects that are uh, on each and every team coming up through the ranks trying to live their dream out of becoming an NHL player. Um, what are your thoughts on the overall Sabres prospect group and, and just um, you know how do they compare to some of the other teams in the NHL? I think the Sabres have a really interesting prospect group, because especially because so many of their young players are already on the team. You look at a guy like Rasmus Dahlin, who at his age is a prospect on a lot of teams, and, and this is kind of a, a situation where Toronto ran into a few years ago, where you're like, oh, well, they don't have many prospects. Well, it's because everyone on their team's 21. And Buffalo's kind of getting to that stage now with Rasmus Dahlin and Jack Eichel and all these guys playing at the NHL level. But then you have other guys like Jack Quinn coming up. And I mentioned Pekalainen, the goalie, where I think they've done a really good job at kind of filling out needs everywhere. I still think because Jack Eichel and Razzardelli are in the NHL, they're lacking that true stud in their prospect pool, per se, but they have so many pieces to build around at this point. I think they've got a really promising future, and this draft is really going to push them forward, hopefully, and be able to kind of get out of this purgatory they've been stuck in. Yeah, I mean, it has just been... It's been very interesting with, with how some of these prospects have been able to develop over the years. There's been some nice hits. There's been some players that were highly spoke about here in Buffalo that have not exactly worked out. But um, I guess the last thing I'll ask you, Tony, it's really interesting, too, because the Sabres, as I mentioned to you earlier in this conversation, with the possibility of the Sabres acquiring another top first-round pick in this year's draft in an Eichel or Reinhardt deal sort of situation like that, I don't know if you have any thoughts as to what type of value, especially a player like Jack Eichel, can garner for the Sabres and what kind of a prospect, you know, some of these teams might be willing to offer up in terms of, uh, you know, if you're trading Eichel to, let's say, the Ducks or trading to the Wild or the Kings or the Golden Knights, what kind of return do you think the Sabres could get for a player like Jack Eichel? The really interesting thing about a trade like that is, is you're almost bound to lose it. Like It's really hard to win a trade where you're sending a player like Jack Eichel away. So I think when you're looking at it, I'll use the LA Kings as an example because they have such a loaded prospect system and they're kind of on the rise, similar to the Buffalo Sabres. So I think when you look at a Kings trade, you, the Buffalo Sabre fan and everyone wants 
Quentin Byfield, last year's second overall pick, a first-round pick from this year, number eight, and maybe a couple extra pieces of roster players, something to kind of fill, fill in the gaps. But I think the more re- realistic thing is they get the first-round pick, maybe they get a, a step below Quentin Byfield, maybe they get an Alex Turcotte, who I think is a really underrated prospect. He kind of gets hidden in that prospect school because of how loaded it is. But I think you get a guy like that, maybe you get a Kale Clegg back as well, another, an NHL player, but he's young. It's going to be one of those deals where you're, you're probably not going to love the return, but you're going to understand that that's kind of what's going to happen any time a star gets traded. They very rarely go for value that's kind of equivalent. Tony, why don't you get a quick plug-in for uh, where people can find you and, and the work that you're doing at DauberProspect.com. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at the Tony Ferrari, and yeah, go to DauberProspect.com. We've got a ton of stuff going on there. Draft rankings, prospect pool breakdowns. We just released our fantasy prospect report too, so uh, breakdown of every team's pool as well as the entire draft for this year. Good deal. Well, Tony, I appreciate you taking the time this afternoon to join us. Enjoy the draft process. Enjoy the craziness that's expected to come over the next 168 hours. And uh, and best of luck to everything with you and uh, everyone else at DauberProspects.com. Thanks for having me. Really fun to have jump a- on with you. Absolutely. Thanks again, Tony. Tony Ferrari from DauberProspects.com. Great conversation there that we just had. If you uh, if you missed it and you want to re-listen to it, find it on demand at WGR550.com. And, of course, you can also find it uh, at on the Odyssey app and use the rewind function and listen back that way. Uh, Corey, you got some something that you want to bring up here real quick before we go to break? Yeah, the Blue Jays are tweeting out to everybody so they have an update on the tickets for today's game. If you had tickets for today's game that has been postponed due to the rain those tickets are not good for the doubleheader really so you will be automatically refunded by the blue jays for those tickets that you purchased today so you should not expect to be able to get into the doubleheader if you had tickets for the game that was scheduled today it looks like you're just out of luck unfortunately well good to know thanks again Corey, for for passing that along uh we'll we'll step aside come back wrap up the show we'll give you one more quick update on what's going on at the open championship and then we'll wrap things up for the weekend and then we'll be back on monday once again brayton wilson filling in for nate here and sports Talk Saturday here on WGR. WGR Sports Radio 550. Hundreds of new music stations for summer barbecues, road trips, working out, or relaxing poolside. There's even a tailgate rock station for you sports crazy fans. Check out the new exclusive stations on the Odyssey app today. Really, really good show today. My thanks again to Brian Koziel, Paul Hamilton, Chris Daniels from King 5 News in Seattle, Joe Yerden, and recently Tony Ferrari from DauberProspects.com. All of them were on the show today. Very eventful show. In case you missed any of those interviews, Corey's got all of them up on demand at WGR550.com. And thanks again for people listening in. And again, hopefully you're having a safe day today, a floody day today. Floody, uh, my words. Uh, uh, you know, again, if you're on the roads and you see water on the roadways, please do be careful. Make some good decisions so you're not putting yourself in any danger. A quick update from the Open Championship right now in Sandwich, England. Louis Ustazen and Jordan Spieth are now tied for the lead at 11 under par. And Colin Morikawa is now one shot back of the top leaders at 10 under par. So, again, some excellent golf coming up here in the final 24-plus hours over in England, and uh, lots to come here from the Open Championship. So if you get the chance, tune in because it's very good golf action. Usually the Open Championship is a very, very good golf tournament, the final golf major of the year, by the way, before we uh, get into the 2022 calendar and we look ahead to the Masters once again. Thanks again, everybody, for tuning in. Thanks again to Corey Griswold behind the board for all the work that he's put up with and putting up with me for two, for three hours, I should say. 
We'll be back again on Monday morning with more live and local programming, starting with Howard and Jeremy at 6 in the morning. And uh, looking ahead to a busy week ahead in the NHL, as we all should expect going forward here. So, uh, again, thanks again for Nate Geary for letting me fill in. I'm Brayton Wilson. Thanks again, everybody, for tuning in. And in case you missed anything with today's show, all available on demand at WGR550.com. We'll talk again Monday morning right here on WGR Sports Radio 550.